Well, welcome to another episode of the More Than A Game podcast, the podcast where we seek to unearth some key themes and virtues around life and leadership and do so through the lens of Australian basketball and in particular through the stories that our guests share around their involvement in the sport of basketball. I'm your host, Dan Walls, and with me on the show today, we have an NBL historian, commentator and journalist who spent a number of years covering the sport of basketball in this country through such organisations as Fox Sports, NBL TV, ABC Radio, just to name a few. And he's, he's going to uh, share his story with us today, but also preview the upcoming NBL season. The NBL season was locked in for January 10th, 10th 2021, which we're looking forward to. And uh, our guest today is going to preview that and also share some of his story. And I'm speaking of Matt McQuaid. Matt McQuaid, welcome to the More Than A Game podcast. Dan, thanks very much for having me. Great to be here. Great to have you on board, mate. And great to, first of all, hear your story. And then we'll obviously jump in and preview some of the, uh, we'll preview the upcoming NBL season, which is exciting. But yeah. I'll just start with, um, yeah, just a bit about your story. And um, obviously, you've been covering the league and the sport for a number of years now. Um, but where did it all start for you? Where did the passion for basketball come about? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I initially was uh, uh, born into a rugby league-loving family, so from Sydney, and and uh, played the the sport from age five up to age eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then that that was through primary school, and then finished in year four my primary education, and then went to St Patrick's College at Strathfield, where they didn't have rugby league. Uh, they had uh, rugby union, and uh, my first year I, I played that, which was the, this is nineteen seventy nine. So I'm very old. So we'll put that out there. <laughs> I'm I'm advanced age now, so fifty two. I turned this year back in August, which is frightening. Um, so yeah, so nineteen seventy nine um, played rugby for one year, didn't like it, but then at the same time was was introduced to basketball. Um, in, in two ways, one through a friend who was playing it and wanted me, sort of wanted me to join. Back then, basketball wasn't thought of very much, you know, particularly uh, as far as a, a sport that was it was compared to netball. We used to get those netball, you know, guys in skirts kind of jibes, and <laughs> it wasn't a masculine quote masculine cool sport that it is today, obviously. Mm. So um, that was one way. Then the other way was um, Channel Seven used to show the NBA on a Sunday. Uh, and uh, Sunday afternoon. So that was the year, that was the season, 79-80, where Larry Bird was uh, a rookie with the Boston Celtics. So they used to play, and and Magic was with the the late Magic Johnson was with the Lakers. So, And then there was Dr. J with the Sixers. So they used to play, it was always Celtics 76ers or there'd be Laker games or whatever. And I was, I just became really interested. And then from that, um, obviously, this is pre-internet, pre-any of that, so very hard to get anything about the NBA or even the NBL. And then the NBL, that's when it, it um, came about mm. in 79. So uh, I started going to games. So that was the, the old City of City Astronauts, as they yeah, were called, out at Alexandria and the Bankstown Bruins over at um, Condor Park. So they were the two first Sydney teams in the what was initially called the National Invitational Basketball League. Mm. So I was a fan of, of that. And then the Supersonic, the um, astronauts rather changed their name in 82, became the Supersonics. So I became, I was actually, you know, it was an either or and I became the Supersonics fan. Um, was a huge fan in 83 uh, when a guy by the name of Owen Wells, who was the league MVP that year. And that Supersonics team won 16 in a row. They were phenomenal, selling out Alexandria all the time and you know they were an amazing day Gordy McLeod and Brad Dalton and um, a guy by the name of Ronnie Cavanaugh he ended up seven foot center ended up after that season went to New York and played for the Knicks and actually started some games for them mm. the year before Patrick Ewing got drafted so a little bit mm. of history there anyway moving moving on so kind of was an NBL fan and the Supersonics moved out to Homebush and I'd go to all those games out there when it was a complete wasteland and Mm. Um, you know, you used to have to beg for lifts and before I got my licence. <laughs> so this is like 85, 86. And then 87, obviously, you have the Supersonics. West Star, the Bruins became the West Stars in 86, then 87. Then uh, October the 14th, 1987, there was the announcement made that there'd be one team in Sydney, mm. the Sydney Kings. Uh, and um, 
that was the end of the Supersonics and the Bruins and the West, all the West Stars. Mm. Um, and, and then I became one of the very first season ticket holders. Um, wow. I think it was one of the one of the first ten or first twenty. I think it was from memory. Mm. Um, and that's been unbroken since 1988. Um, missed only one home game in that time, remarkably, yeah. and yeah. that's because I was in hospital from <laughs> my two hospital bouts, unfortunately. But um, yeah, so so obviously massive fan. Um, got to know a bunch of people. Um, through, I mean, I've made enormous friendships with you know a whole host, not just with the Kings, but I guess throughout the league. You know, I'm very close with a number of people. Mm. Um, I'm really fortunate to call really, really good friends of mine mm. um, who are legends in the sport, basically. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of the media part of it, um, that actually started in 1999 for me. So that was, uh, there, there used to be um, a paper called Pro Basketball Today. Yeah. And it was a national newspaper. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of, it followed on from, people might remember one-on-one magazine and Basketball Week and the Australian Basketballer, kind of the magazines of the time. The one And uh, Pro Basketball Today kind of was from that era. Mm. Uh, and then it was the only basketball paper for, for years. Mm. So initially it was, they were more interested in sort of covering the NBA because, again, we're talking pre-internet era really or just the beginnings of the internet back then. Mm. Very hard to get information. So people might remember PBT used to print out all the NBA box scores and mm. people loved all that, you know, yeah. from for, for the week's games, right? Mm. So anyway, um, long story short, they they had a couple of guys do some previews of their teams. I remember there was a guy in Perth that did a preview of the Wildcats that they printed, uh, another one I think in Brisbane. And I thought to myself, oh, you know, I fancy myself as a bit of a writer, so... Uh, yeah, I'll have a go and see what they say. So put it in and uh, they printed it and um, and then came back to me and said, we really liked it. Now, would you be interested in doing a preview of the whole season preview of the whole league? Mm. So I did that and asked for some feedback and they said, great. Do you want to do something every week? Mm. So that's how that started. Mm. And so I had, that was from 1999 to 2005. Mm. Um, unfortunately, the, the paper finished in 2005. So that was, that was that, and it was a weekly column, feature articles, and again, got to speak to pretty much everybody across the spectrum of um, the sport, mm. um, which was good. And then once PBT finished, the NBL media manager at the time, God, by the name of Mark Howard, um, great guy, oh, Howard, yeah. he uh, then said to me, look, we really want you to do something for us. Mm. So would you be interested in doing a weekly column with the league? Mm. So I said, sure. So from 2005 to 2012, I had my own weekly column on the NBL website and also mm. did a whole bunch of features and, and was fortunate enough to go. They, they flew me to various blitzes and pre-season tournaments, you know, Cairns, Darwin, Coffs Harbour, mm. Dandenong, mm. Um, a whole bunch of them. So, uh, and meanwhile, I'm doing this and I'm still doing a lot of stuff for the Kings. I was, um, you know, the Kings had a newspaper for a while called Kings News that I edited and pretty much did the whole, all the content for. Um, so that was another thing. Then I started doing all their, their um, really early internet stuff mm. in the sort of the early to mid 2000s. And uh, yeah, so did all, it was pretty much all writing, writing, writing. And then 2007, uh, the NBL um, at that time, you know, were really struggling in terms of didn't have a great TV mm. deal with Fox. Not many people had Fox. Mm. They wanted another outlet for coverage. So they, they, teamed up with Sportal mm. to do the first radio broadcast, regular radio broadcast. Mm. And there'd been teams that had been doing broadcast. Kings had never done it. Mm. So ironically, it was um, Derek Rucker who was working for the Kings at that time, mm. plus Amanda Gilbert, Brian Gorgian's wife, mm. who approached me to be the play-by-play guy wow. for Sydney Kings Radio. I'd already kind of pushed it a little bit because <laughs> I found, again, fancy myself as a commentator. And Derek got uh, Bruce Bolden involved in, as the colour guy and um, the expert analyst. So Bruce and I did that. Um, called the grand final and the famous grand final in 0708. And uh, yeah, and then obviously the Kings went under. So we were out without a team for two seasons, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was still doing work, a lot of work for the NBL, as I said, up until 2012. And then uh, that finished. And um, But I just continued on with the... With the um, with the Kings, but also was doing a lot of commentary, um, still did the radio, and then 
we like, we actually started doing um, streaming. So the first streaming we ever did was back in, I think it was either 2012 or 2013, one of the two, um, the Kings played University of New Mexico. Mm, I remember that. Yeah. And at Bankstown. And, and that game had, the New Mexico team had Cameron Bearstow and Hugh Greenwood, interestingly oh, yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So that was really, and, and that was when Shane Hill was coaching the Kings. That was his first, well, pre-season of his first full year he coached six games a year before. Mm. So we did that. And we ended up getting, it was about 50,000 views. Wow. Mostly in the States, but it kind of opened our eyes because that was the first time we'd done video. We'd never got numbers like that for radio, obviously. Mm. You know, we'd be lucky to get three, four, five thousand, whatever it was. But mm. yeah. yeah, so since then it's been, I've been lucky to do um, how many? I think five or six NBL pre-season tournaments mm. um, called North Sydney 2013, uh, Brisbane, um, Townsville, uh, did that one. Uh, another one in Mel- in uh, Victoria, mm. and uh, try, I'm, I'm missing one. I can't think, but yeah. yeah so I called that, and I've called um, games for NBL TV regular season games. Did a year mm. with Brad Rosen on that. Mm. Uh, I've called games for Fox Sports. Um, did the NBL All Australian Games um, with the Chinese national team. Called CBA Chinese Basketball Association finals with Steve Carfino. Um, and yeah, continuing to, to do that. And I'm calling uh, <laughs> the game on Sunday with uh, Brad Rosen at Kudos, which should be a lot of fun with the Kings and the Hawks. Yeah. So, uh, and then probably doing, and, and also now doing radio for, um, I've been doing radio in Perth and doing radio in Sydney. Um, mm. I'll probably be doing that again this year. So yeah, mm. so it's been, it's been a lot. Um, yeah. And it's, it's been, it's been great. You know, it's been really fascinating. Um, Kind of, and when I think back, it's now been over twenty years that I've been involved in some way, shape, or form with yeah. with media in the NBL. Yeah. Sorry, that was very long winded. I apologise. Oh, good mate. No, it's good. It's good to hear the history. But um, I find in the time I've known you, one of the things that obviously is clear is your passion for the sport and the yeah uh, the league. Um, and I think in talking to my guests um, over the last you know this year, um, one thing that stood out is how passion. Um, Allows us to sort of allows our guests to, to work hard at the sport and, and get get to where they were. So the passion drives that sense of hard work, and that's something that's um, you know clear in you. You've had a few setbacks, but you've worked hard and got to where you have today. So um, so where did that come from? I guess that sense of hard work, and was that something you learnt early on, or um, yeah? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I, I guess passion. You, you make a great point. I think the passion creates the hard work because if you love doing something mm. that you're passionate about. You, you just want to work hard at your craft. And yeah. I mean, look, this, this isn't, this has never been my, it, it's, it really is a passion. It's never been a job. Mm. I've always had a job until recently, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. That's another story. But um, it, it's always been, you know, purely a passion called, I don't like calling it a hobby, but I, I guess mm. you could say it is, but mm. it's, it's never been something that's paid the bills, put it that way. Mm. But it's been something where, um, you just, I, I guess I've, I've got this very deep connection with it. I, I can't even explain it because I just fell in love with basketball straight away. You know, it wasn't playing it, watching it. It was just something that I fell in love with. And it, it's never, 40 years later, 40 plus years, it hasn't waned at all. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I've always, I mean, there are times I, I probably you know, don't work hard enough, but in terms of my love for the sport, that's never waned. And I think mm. you've got to have that, that passion because if you don't then you know it, it just doesn't come across it look it definitely comes across in the way hopefully the right way i call games mm. i love the nbl you know and i love the people in it you know i've mm. been really blessed to as i said before to have met so many extraordinary people in, in my journey and and still have great relationships with people that i've known for 30 40 years it's incredible mm. actually yeah it's great mate um, and just, yeah, obviously with that hard work, uh, that was rewarded. I think um, a few years back you were uh, received an award from the Sydney Kings. I think it was like the five minute <laughs> of the year. That was that. Yeah. Well, that it was actually, that was funny. It was actually, it wasn't Clubman, although I guess you could say it was actually the Coach's Award. That's right. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. 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 So that was that was the 2007, 2008 season. And right. everybody knows that was the, the infamous firepower, you know, season yeah. from hell. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, that that was um, that's one of the proudest moments in my life. I mean, mm. to be presented 
with it by the man who I just, you know, idolise, <laughs> mm. Brian Gorgian, who's you know, the greatest coach ever yeah. um, in any sport, in my opinion, in this country. And I suppose mm. people might say I'm a bit biased because I've been lucky to have a very good, uh, not very good, a great relationship with him. I'm very close with him and his wife and mm. they've been fantastic to me. And, and um, you know, he, he's a remarkable individual. You know, he, he's... Mm. He's, he's one of the funniest human beings I've ever met in my life. You know, it's, <laughs> he's, um, but the thing I love about him is, is just that he's, he knows more about basketball in his little finger than I will ever know. <laughs> and yet, and yet he's, he's got a way of, of when you talk to him, he wants to know your opinion on things mm. and he, he's really interested on basketball. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I'm thinking, I, and I sit there and I, I shake my head with him because it's just a remarkable trait that he has where he has this, he just draws this out of you. Mm. Um, of course, you know, whenever I talk to him, I laugh most of the time because he's just, he's just the funniest storyteller I've ever seen. He's incredible. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, he, he's an amazing guy. So yeah, I mean, to get that award, it's something mm. I never forget. Amanda was very sneaky. She didn't tell me. I didn't know <laughs> anything about it till. That was at the entertainment centre. They did that presentation. So mm. and then I had to speak, which is a bit terrifying. <laughs> a couple of thousand people in the stands, but oh uh, well. And that was, I mean, that, that that year. I mean, often people often ask me, you know, what's your favourite Kings team, and you know, what's your most memorable Kings team? And yeah. so I go back to the start and mm. talk about 1992 with Wayne McLean. I always talk about that. Yeah, three championships. But yeah, you know that that, that particular team because I was you know so close with all of them, and I was essentially doing de facto media manager at the time. And um, the, what those guys went through, you know, I mean, you had BJ Carter as one of your guests. Mm -hmm. and, and I know, you know, what Beach was going through at the time and I mean, his, what he suffered through and Russell Hinder and, you know, um, mm -hmm. Jason Smith and Luke Kendall and I mean, mm -hmm. so many, Mark Worthington and, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've got really close relationships with those guys even to this day, and it's mm. interesting because they, you know, I think they all had this incredible bond. Even the, the imports I still speak to Isaiah Victor is in the states, and yeah, Dante Draper, and I still speak to those guys fairly regularly. Amazingly enough, yeah, it's been twelve years ago, um, mm. and and because of what I saw, what they went through, and yeah. it was just, and then they finished twenty seven and three. In the regular, they won 27 out of 30 games. Know, that's phenomenal. Lost in the grand final to an incredible Melbourne team um, in five games. But that 27-3 under the circumstances is one of the greatest things in sport I have ever seen. Mm. And what those boys did, despite, I mean, they weren't getting paid. Mm. Yeah, none of them were getting paid. They had mortgages. Yeah. They, you know, they had kids to worry about. And they had to put food on the table. They were putting food inside some of them. It's a mm. remarkable effort what they did. So yeah, so I, I guess that that's probably what makes that one of my, my proudest moments for sure. Mm. Absolutely, and that was a obviously great reward for all your hard work and passion. So, um, and I just thought I'd draw on that passion for a moment. And obviously, while you're here, um, Brian Gorgian's back in the league, which is fantastic. Yes. So um, we'll draw on that passion and uh, your knowledge, as I said, and we'll do a bit of a preview uh, for the upcoming NBL season. It's uh, set to launch on the 10th of January with the Melbourne yes. Derby, United versus South East Melbourne Phoenix. So a uh, great game to kick things off. Only five rounds that have been uh, put in place for the time being, uh, which is probably wise from the NBL with everything that's been going on this year. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge, but we thought we'd just, um, well, I asked you if we could just preview the rosters, look at the rosters, the ins and outs, and just see whether we think they've improved or um, gone backwards maybe. Um, obviously, that's not a telling story in terms of, you know, you got to, factor in team chemistry and that can be a big factor so personnel mm -hmm. alone is not a true indicator of the team's qualities but um i thought we'd start there and just chat about those as the nbl season is just around the corner uh, we'll start with adelaide first of all um, and get your thoughts around adelaide i'm really excited by adelaide roster and obviously they picked up jeff van gronigan our good friend not long ago <laughs> indeed yes as uh, general manager um, so they've put together an exciting roster, I reckon, um, led by Donald Sloan. He's got NBA, uh, NBA experience there. They picked up Isaac Humphreys, um, which is a big get, I believe. Five games with the Atlanta Hawks in NBA recently. Former Sydney King. Uh, Josh Giddy's an exciting up-and-coming young player. And, mm. and um, they acquired Sunday Detch from the Illawarra Hawks as well. So what are your thoughts around Adelaide um, for the upcoming season? It's... It, it's 
I think Jeff's done a really good job under the circumstances to build this team. And you, mm. you consider you know, all the uh, the issues that they had at the end of last season, all the, the fallout with Joey Wright and yeah. Kevin White and all that. You know, that, that was a, a club that was pretty fractured. Um, mm. And I think, you know, that, that people, we've, we've moved on from that. And I think they've done very well to build what they have. There, there, there's some question marks. And Connor Henry comes in as a new coach. He's only had the one season. I mean, people forget he was a head coach of the Perth Wildcats. He, I think he went 19 and 14, something along those lines, yeah. a couple of years back. Mm. Assistant coach with the Kings under Ian Rebellion when they came back to the league, of course. Um, yeah, look, the guy everybody's going to talk about is Josh Giddy. You know, I mean, I think he, um, six foot seven point guard, um, going to be drafted somewhere in the first round, I believe, depending on how he does this year. Incredible feel for the game. I mean, you know, very similar, I guess, has that Lamelo ball type feel, um, mm. which is really exciting. Mm. Um, of course, he's only eighteen, so how you know how much can you expect out of an eighteen year old mm. to lead you to the playoffs? Um, Donald Sloan, you mentioned, great experience in the NBA. You know, I mean, and a really, really solid player. Mm. Uh, but the age profile is a little bit of a question mark. Their second import, Tony Crock, has been a guy that's played a lot of Euro League. Um, 34 years of age. Again, you know, we've seen these guys on the back end. Yeah. Um, they've still got Daniel Johnson, who's one of the great offensive players, as we know. Mm. Um, Sunday Detch was a really good pickup. You're right, you know, purely mm. from the he saw what we did. He did with the Hawks last year right. it was outstanding, particularly defensively, which mm. I think Adelaide needs. Mm. Um, the question mark. Isaac Humphries was a great pickup. Yeah, but the question mark I have is how does he coexist with DJ? Because particularly defensively, because mm. you know, and I've said this um, on a couple of other podcasts, they're going to really be tested in pick and roll situations, and teams are really going to go after them. Neither of them, to this date, have shown uh, a proclivity to really defend. Um, that kind of um, action. So, mm. you know, offensively, I think they'll be fine. Defensively, there's probably a question mark, um, you know, and, and some of the other teams drawing them out to the perimeter, setting up those pick and rolls, whether it's side pick and roll, middle pick and roll, it's going to be, they're, they're going to put them in those sorts of situations constantly. Mm. Then in the other end, you know, you've got to showcase Josh Giddy. I mean, that's that's sort of the, the conundrum the Illawarra Hawks space last year with Lamello, you know, showcase mm. them. Showcase a young guy is that at the, is that to the detriment of the team? Is it not? I don't think so. I think this will be a better situation because mm. I, I do think that um, he is a really really special prospect, mm. and if he goes to a, a, a level that um, maybe not many people think he will, then they'll be in the mix for a playoff spot. Right now, I don't see them as a playoff team. I think mm. they have a lot to prove. Again, what you mentioned. It's all on paper, right? So, mm, mm. you know, we're just prognosticating basically on, on paper. We don't know how well the chemistry is going to be. We don't yeah. know how their systems are going to work. I mean, Isaac Humphreys might be good alongside Daniel Johnson. It's just a, that's a, at the moment, it's a question mark for mine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brisbane Bullets, uh, for me, not much improvement, I don't believe. Um, don't see how they're going to make the playoffs, but there is a lot of, obviously, star players there. Anthony Drimmick's a big pickup. It's got Harry Froll in there. Obviously, Jason Kadee, we know what he's capable of. Nathan Sobey, uh, but they have lost uh, Lamar Patterson, which was a big loss for me. And that's why I felt like they haven't improved much on their roster. Uh, but how do you see Brisbane Bullets uh, firming for the upcoming season? <laughs> well, you missed the other one, Will Magno. You know, yes. going to the NBA and the two-way Magno, of course. Very true. Yeah. With the New Orleans Pelicans. Of course. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really not um, convinced about these guys at all. I, I think... You know, from from an import perspective, I, I'm I'm not sure about Orlando Johnson. I think his his best days are well behind him. Mm. Um, you know, it's been said that five years ago he would have torn the league up, and he may very well, but that's five years ago. Mm. Uh, you know, and then you've I don't know whether Vic Law, their other import, is is kind of going to be enough to um, offset Magne's absence, and I mean Johnson obviously coming in presumably for uh, Lamar Patterson, so. Yeah, and then the question mark around Nathan Sobey is a point guard. You yeah. know, I don't think that's been answered yet. So, um, you know, and Harry Froling, I mean, he's kind of regressed a bit, unfortunately, from a rookie season with Adelaide where a lot of people thought, you know, me included, I thought, wow, this guy could be Australia's answer to Nikola Jokic, and I've said that. Uh, but mm-hmm. the last season he wasn't very good and apparently he's not come back in great shape either. I mean, I hope that's – I'm just reading the reports like everybody else. I don't have any first-hand knowledge about that. They bring in Anthony Drimmick as well, um, 
who should give them a bit of a spark, but not a guy I'm especially high on. Um, Matt Hodgson, there's going to be starting. <clears throat> Excuse me. So very foul prone. Now that's been his issue. Mm. I like Jason Kadee off the bench for them. Uh, I, I've always said he's, you know, much, much better as a bench player coming off the bench as a six man rather than a guy that is going to be, you know, your floor leader. I think he's mm. much, much better as a combo that can fill in at either position. So, yeah, look, um, again, only on paper. <laughs> I'll keep reiterating that. <laughs> but, for right, but for right now, it's really difficult to see them making the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, Cairns, I think uh, I'm interested to see how they go. Uh, hopefully they prove on last year. Mike Kelly's a great coach. I think he did a great mm-hmm. job last year with the roster. He had not much change, and it's great that they got back um, Cam Oliver and Scott Machado. It's going to be um, good to see how they go for another season. Uh, Jared Kenny had a great season last year. Um, Nate Joe is still around so how do you see Kent's type ends um, progressing on last year's success yeah look you, the argument obviously against them is the fact that they lose the reigning defensive player of the year and their leading scorer in DJ Newville mm. uh, through no fault of their own that's just the new rules with the two imports instead of three mm. but getting back two guys that are NBA quality guys in yeah. Scott Machado and Cameron Oliver was gigantic um, mm. because you know when you, you consider that Machado for me I actually picked him as my MVP last year. As brilliant as Bryce Cotton is, he deserved the MVP, no doubt. But I just thought Machado and what he brought to that club mm. uh, led the league in assists and he was just extraordinary. Mm. And Oliver's a monster mm. and, and only getting better. And that's mm. the thing about him that people don't realise is he's young mm. uh, and he's still improving. So to get those two guys back was incredible for that program. Um, you mentioned Jared Kenny did an outstanding job as a backup guard. Mm. Probably the question... Marks over them is Kwat Moy, who has NBA-level talent but was injured last year, only played the 12 games. Uh, you know, is he going to take a step up? Majuk Deng, is he going to take a step up? Um, he had some really good moments last year. Um, Nate Jawai, you know what you're going to get out of him. He'll probably come off the bench, as you mentioned. Uh, and as you said, Mike Kelly, fantastic coach, coach of the year, well-deserved. Mm. Um, and then the big question, Mark, is they've got their own next star. We, we talked about Josh Giddy with the other kid who potentially could get drafted Mojave King mm. uh, as, as kind of an explosive uh, two-man who can really shoot the ball. And, you know, he, he's going to get some minutes and, and touches. But, uh, look, they're a championship contender, in, in my opinion, still. Mm. And, and I think they'll make the playoffs. And I think um, it, it's going to be down to Machado and Oliver as, as being the best import combination in the league. And I, I, mm. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think right now, even on paper or whichever way you want to look at it, that is the best... Uh, input combo in the league. Mm, yeah, I've heard others say that. It's going to be interesting to see how they go too with uh, no home ground advantage, basically. They're out of Cairns Convention Centre. They've got the... Yeah, Liam, Liam Santa Maria, my good friend, of course, yeah. calling it uh, the snag pit <laughs> <laughs> on, on uh, NBL overtime. Yeah. I'm not sure whether he took credit for that or it was someone in Cairns that uh, he mm. kind of just borrowed it from. But uh, yeah, look, uh, you're right. But uh, I think that, that Orange Army, we saw it last year, mm, you know, what yeah. they did was... Fantastic, you know, the atmosphere was incredible. It's going to be a smaller atmosphere, but they're going to yeah. be even closer to the court. Yeah. Um, obviously, COVID restrictions notwithstanding, so mm. that's going to be a lot. Of, that'll be a lot of fun, mm. you know, that uh, you know, that overgrown bunnings, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll be interested to see how they go. The big one, uh, the very interesting, uh, not the Illawarra Hawks, but the Hawks now. <laughs> um, yeah, as we said, Brian Gorgian's um, back, which is fantastic for the league. Um, they've got a massive changeover of players. They've kept some key talent, which I think was good. Dan Greider and um, Emmett Nah, they did a great job last year, but um, they picked up Cam Bairstow, um, Dane Adell, um, Justina Jessup, who was drafted in the NBA just recently. Mm. It's going to be very interesting, interesting to see how they go. Um, I've tended to be the biggest improvers, but I'm not sure they can make the finals. Uh, how do you see the Hawks going in NBL 21? Yeah, I, look, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm going to be accused of massive bias when it comes to them. <laughs> We've talked about already my relationship with Brian, yeah. but also with the president and part owner, Dora Kodahi, mm. who uh, I've known for uh, more than 30 years and, and being extremely close with him and his family for a very long time. So, yeah, so take this with a gigantic grain of salt. I think um, if they not only will make the playoffs, so I think by the end of this year, they will be pushing for a championship. I really believe that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's made me, I, I think because he's been away for so long, people have kind of not, um, they've undersold Brian's impact on the club. 
you yeah. know, and, and I've, I've joked with him a little bit saying that, um, you know, back in 2002, you came into a situation with the Sydney Kings where they were coming off voluntary administration, uh, a team that hadn't done anything and had brought in you know, a number of guys that hadn't played before, yep. uh, including two new imports. And what happened at the end of 2002, 2003? Well, you led them to a championship. Um, the Hawks went into voluntary administration last season as well, and he's come in and, and it's a brand new team and they haven't played together. So, you know, it, it, it's, look, it's drawing a long back. I get it. You know? <laughs> but I think people are just selling. He's the greatest coach I've ever seen. And, and, and I've said that before, obviously. But I just think his ability to impact people on and off the court um, as a leader, um, as a motivator, as a guy who puts players in the best possible position to succeed, who develops talent, I mean, he was a guy that helped develop the guys like Chris Anstey and and um, you know, Sam McKinnon and Jason Smith. And, I mean, David Barlow you know, mm. was a prime example of that, yeah. you know, all of whom ended up playing for their country, So, and one of whom went to the NBA. So he's um, got a guy in, in Dean Adele who's sort of sniffed around the NBA, had a bit of a, a cup of coffee with the league, if you like, and, um, you know, he's come back to, to really push for an MVP this year, I believe. And then... You know, the two imports I'm really excited about, Tyler Harvey, a real gun in the sort of the mould of, of um, Rodney Clark, you know, a big-time scorer. Um, and, of course, had 58 in that G League game that we know oh, yeah. about. Justin Simons, really long. I mean, I, I, I saw him at training the other day. And I'm like, my goodness, you're, you're incredibly long. You know, yeah. really long arms. He's a great defender. Um, you know, you mentioned the guys they have back. Emmett Nahr is a backup point guard. Then Justinian Jessup drafted by the Warriors who, you know, drafted him because he already had that deal in place with, with uh, the Hawks. So, and they, they're really excited about him and I spoke to Dory about him. And he's, um, they think he's going to make a huge impact for them right. as a next star. I mean, Dory sort of looks at his club and thinks he's got four imports. Deng Adele, uh, the two, uh, Justin Simon, Tyler Hardy, and then he, Justinian Jessup, he says, like a fourth import for us. So, mm-hmm. Cam Besto, their question marks probably up front, I think. Cam Besto, mm-hmm. is he completely over his dreadful injuries that he yeah. suffered? Uh, and then Sam Froling, who uh, I actually saw in Waratah League um, win the championship for uh, for Manly, and he was outstanding. I, I called the, the semi final and the grand final in Waratah League yeah. just recently, and he was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, you know, seven foot long. Uh, athletic, bring, can dribble the ball, bring the ball down the court. He's, he's a real prospect, that one. Um, so, yeah, I'm really high on them. And, and, and I think that they'll definitely push for a playoff spot. And I think mm. if, if they do get into the four, um, they are going to be a very tough out. Mm. Absolutely. No, it'll be interesting to see how they go. And Looking forward to seeing Brian back in the league. Um, you mentioned Dave Barlow will move to uh, Melbourne United now, and uh, <laughs> the juggernaut. <laughs> yes, coming to the end of his career, but he's um, still performing admirably. Um, yeah, so over the last few years, seasons have had a bit of a uh, few changes. They brought in Jock Landau, which will be a massive get. That's a huge uh, pick up there. Uh, Mitch McCarran's continuing to improve, and then Scotty Hobson over from New Zealand Breakers. So a lot of uh, movement there, but obviously going to be um, a threat once again. How do you see Melbourne United um, gracing the court this season? Well, they're the favourites. I mean, that's just, it's an easy thing to say because you just mentioned bringing in Jock Landale, who is a guy that probably should be in the NBA. You yeah. know, and we saw him play for Australia at the World Cup. He was outstanding. You know, a, a, set, a legit seven-footer who can stretch the floor, who can block shots, who runs rim to rim. Uh, he's outstanding. And then you've got Scotty Hobson, who talent-wise is probably the most talented player in the league. I mean, you can make an argument probably for Lamar Patterson, but, you know, and, you know, Scotty Machado and obviously Bryce Cotton, but I, Hobson's incredible. And, you know, the, mm. they're going all Australian with the backcourt, Mitch McCarron and yep. Chris Golding. Uh, the only question I have is whether, you know, Mitch McCarron as a full-time point guard is going to, is going to work. I love Mitch McCarron. I think he's a guy that does a lot of everything. He's mm. incredibly versatile. Uh, I only have that question about him as a full-time point guard, and that's yet to be played out. Um, but the look, Melbourne United hierarchy, Dean Vickerman really believe in him. Mm. So uh, you know, who's to say that it, it won't work? Mm. Um, Shea Lee's an outstanding point guard as well, one of the best backups mm. in the league. Yep. 
And then Jack White was a, a really, really good pickup. Of course, played for Mike Krzyzewski at Duke University, played with Zion Williamson uh, last year and, and was was terrific. You know, and he's the guy you compare him to, uh, and Jeff Van Groningen said this to me as well, is Dylan Boucher. You know, for those of you yeah, who right. remember Dylan Boucher playing for yeah. Brisbane, won a championship there, played with the Breakers, won championship there mm. uh, do everything guy not a great offensive talent but a, just a tremendous defender great rebounder does all the dirty work real glue guy you know yeah, yeah. Um, for that program because one of the issues that they had last year was chemistry particularly with uh, Sean Long and, and Mello Trimble just didn't seem to work even though the talent was extraordinary just mm. really didn't work and probably until that semi-final series against the Kings which they really you have to be honest and say should have won mm. but didn't um, but I think that won't be a problem this year. I, th- I think they've got the right pieces in place. Uh, and, of course, lest we forget, they've got an import slot up their sleeve. Mm. That's just frightening. And yeah. Dean Vickerman's yeah. a great coach, a great guy. I know Dean very well. And, mm. uh, I, I think, um, yeah, yeah, look, they're the team to beat. You know, straight out of the blocks, it, it's pretty obvious. And getting Landau just put them over the top, in my opinion. Yeah, they're going to be definitely right up there again. Um, we'll move now to the New Zealand Breakers. I'm excited by the Breakers and what they're building there. Um, Absolutely. Obviously, Corey Webster has been around for a while and he'll continue to uh, go from strength to strength. They've picked up Lamar Patterson. That's a big get. Um, and they haven't got much change, but um, uh, I've been interested to see how the coach goes. Dan um, Shamir, I think it is, but um, from Israel. Yeah. Um, seemed to be... You know, quite a good coach based on last season, but um, mm. we had to see New Zealand going and obviously they'll be over here long-term, so a huge sacrifice and we really appreciate that for the league. I think I, it, had New Zealand been able to play games at home, mm. um, you know, I, I think you'd probably have them equal championship favourites with Melbourne. As it is, I've got them just below Melbourne yeah. and, and only because they're going to be forced to play games away from Auckland and hopefully that situation resolves itself. Yep. They're talking about instituting the travel bubble between New Zealand and Australia. And if that happens, potentially in the second half of the season, they could play games uh, back in Auckland, which would be fantastic for them. Yep. Look, I think they've recruited outstandingly. And, and you mentioned Lamar Patterson. What a superstar he is. A real do-everything kind of guy for them. Yep. Um, Ty Webster is one you didn't talk about. You know, this is a kid that's played yes. in Europe for years and, and has been a star on the New Zealand national team, mm. uh, playing alongside his brother Corey and yep. he's an absolute he's an absolute star. You know, he, he is a tremendous floor leader, great facilitator. Um, their other import has kind of gone under the radar a little bit, Colton Iverson, but he's yeah. a guy that spent time in the NBA, mm. a lot of a lot of time in the NBA summer league. But he's perfect because he's a seven foot guy who'll set picks, run the pick and roll, run rim to rim again rebound, block shots, won't need the ball in his hands to be successful. And that's it. really important with a club that has a ton of guys who can fill it up from Patterson to, to you know, Tommy Abercrombie, Corey Webster, um, you know, Finn Delaney's another one, Rob Lowe's another guy. Yes. Um, they brought in you know, Jared Weeks, who I, you and I both know, a great guy mm. and a tremendous backup as well, real spark plug for them. So, mm. And you talked about Dan Shamir. I think Dan Shamir did an amazing job last year because you remember... First 10 games of the season, that club was a disaster. You know, from the yeah, true. Glenn, the Glenn Rice situation to the, the, the drinking on the plane and all this and, you know, unretiring CJ Bruton's number, which was a disgrace and, you know, all this sort of stuff that went on that you sort of looked at and go, what are these guys doing? This is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and they started the year really badly, but they kind of worked through that and, and Dan got them all together and, and I think he's outstanding. I think he's a tremendous coach and I think... I was really worried about the culture like there last year in the first 10 games of the season. I'm not worried about it now. I think mm-hmm. um, they've learned their lesson clearly and I think they've built an outstanding roster. A roster that to me is versatile, is flexible, has a number of guys that can play a number of positions and really I don't see a weakness. You know, And I think, mm-hmm. as I said, the only question mark with them is how are they going to deal with being on the road effectively um, for the first potentially first half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, from one championship contender to another, Perth Wildcats always, always thereabouts. Obviously, the defending champions, and I think they've regressed a little bit in their roster based on the retirements or the retirement of um, Damien Martin. They lost Nick Kay as well. Um, bit of uh, turnaround. They picked up Kevin White, which is you know um, like for like in terms of defensive abilities, I guess. With Martin, probably not as good, but <laughs> up there. Yeah, Todd Blanchfield, but. 
for me, they've regressed, but obviously, you know, Perth are always there. So where do you see Perth this year? Yeah, you, you hate to be the guy that, that writes them off, don't you? you know, yeah, because right. they, they've, people have tried and failed. I mean, I've done it. <laughs> right, yeah. But, but as things stand right now, and look, a lot of this is contingent on Bryce Cotton's naturalisation. Yeah. Um, if they go into the season like this and if, and if, they, and if their roster is basically this roster, for let's say the first half of the season, I think Cotton or not, they're going to struggle because you mentioned Nick Kay, that is a massive loss. They've replaced him with John Mooney. Uh, that's a downgrade in my opinion. I saw a lot of Mooney in college at Notre Dame, uh, in the States, Notre Dame. He, yeah, yes, he's a big time rebounder, but he's also a rookie. Um, he doesn't have the offensive chops that Kay had. He doesn't have the Kay's passing ability. Uh, Kay was, you know, incredible last season and has been brilliant ever since he came across from uh, the Hawks. So that's a massive loss. But really, and I've been saying this, the guy that they're underselling the loss of is Damon. Mm. <laughs> and it's not not necessarily for the on-court stuff, it's the off-court stuff as well. That's right. But guys just went to another level with him. You know, he he's the greatest competitor I think I've ever seen. And that's, I've seen them all. And yeah. He's, he was maniacal as a competitor on the court. You know, Bob, Rob Beveridge used to say to me that he's the, one of the nicest human beings on the planet, mm. but when he steps over that white line, it's like Jekyll and Hyde. It's, yeah. He just becomes this nut, nut job kind of crazy man, you know, psychotic defender, <laughs> do everything to win. And I'm saying this in, I'm saying this in the best possible way because sure. um, like, he'd been my favourite player for years and he's just a, an, an unbelievable competitor and, Guys, would, would, they're like 10 feet tall with him. They really were. And, um, you know, greatest defensive player in NBL history. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I know that there's arguments for Darnell Lee and, and uh, Simon Dwight, arguably. But yeah. for me, I've never seen a guy impact the defensive end of the floor the way he did. Yeah. And losing that and losing that leadership, regardless, he, he's around the club still, but not on a day-to-day. And then on the court, I think that's, you know, no disrespect to Kev. I love Kev. He's a friend of mine as well. But, you know, you, you can't replace Damo. You just can't replace what he brought to the table. Right. So that's a huge, that is a massive, massive loss. Mm. Um, and then, look, Cotton's the best player in the league. Mm. No question. The league MVP, superstar, absolutely magnificent. And I'll never knock him. Um, so any, te- any team that he's on has got a, a chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. But... Uh, they lose to Rico White as well, again, through no fault of their own. That's the third import. Replacing the Toddy Blanchfield. I love Toddy again, but he's a guy that a lot of people believe is underachieved in his career. But again, you know, how can you... This team is, what is it now, 33, 34 in a row, I think it is now, so that they've made the playoffs. Can you write them off? No. Can they win the championship? Not as presently constructed. And a lot of it will depend on when they get Bryce naturalised. Because I I, I just don't... They don't have any backups. Their big man depth is non-existent. You know, and I think they brought in Jared Bairstow as like a stat... who's Cameron Bairstow's brother as kind of a stopgap. He's like a very good state league player. Can he play NBL and be a consistent contributor? Mm, I don't know. Tough to say. Trevor Gleeson, sensational coach, we know. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's it's going to be it's difficult right now. Right. Things can change, but as they stand, I don't see them as a championship contender. Certainly in the mix for the playoffs, yeah. but you know it's uh, they're they're going to be a really really interesting story. I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, mate, I'm I'm prepared to write them off. <laughs> I don't think they're going to put it out there. I'm it, you're putting it out there. <laughs> Theory. You're a braver man than me, my friend. Come back to buy me, that's for sure. Yeah, it's bit me before, don't worry. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> last two teams, very quickly, we've got the South East Melbourne Phoenix. Um, they had a great debut season. Um, Simon Mitchell did a great job. Um, they lose Ben Madgen uh, to retirement. Um, but, uh, yeah, Cam Glidden's in there. Um, how do you see the Phoenix going for their second season in the NBL? Yeah, it's interesting. I think you have to put them up there as a potential playoff team. Mm. Um, whether or not they'll make the playoffs is debatable. I, I really like their import, Kiefer Sykes. I think, you know, as a point guard replacing John Robeson, I think he's a guy, reminds me of Casper Ware, only more athletic, you know, and I think does a lot of things really well. Not an elite scorer, not an elite facilitator, but does everything very well. So 
he's a good pickup to lead them. Um, ben Moore is, is a guy that, that should give them better minutes than what they got out of their import slot last year. Dane Pinot was was terrific. Of course, you know, finished high up in most improved voting. Um, Mitch Craig is Mitch Craig. You know, he, he's kind of their Damien Martin. We just talked about Damo. Um, I love Adam Gibson as a backup. You know, he's a tremendous leader, great defender. But then the question marks around Cameron Glidden, you know, can he be that consistent scorer at the two spot? Mm-hmm. Hasn't been, you know, and I love Cam as well, but he's been up and down in his career when he's on. He's fantastic, but there are times that he does disappear. Can he be consistent? Um, Ruben Tarangi, can he get back to the form he had mm-hmm. when he won both sixth man of the year and I think it was most improved in the same year yeah. uh, a couple of years back? So didn't get the opportunities last year when Brisbane had all those wings. So he kind of fell out of the rotation. Um, Yanni Wetzel is an interesting prospect as a mm. big. Uh, Kendall Stevens is a guy that um, has shown flashes as well. And, you know, you mentioned Simon Mitchell. Again, tremendous coach. Knows what he's doing. So uh, they'll be in the mix, I think. Kyle Adam, I, mean, I, I did mention as well. Mm. And I think, you know, I, I really like Kyle as a, another guy who's a real spark plug type that's important. So, yeah, yeah they're an interesting one. They're, they're, they're going to be a fascinating story. I think, because Mitch Creek put him on his shoulders last year. And, and for a first-year team, I think they did exceptionally well. And Creek's back and hopefully healthy. They got injured late last year, of course. Mm. So they're an interesting one. Yeah. Interesting to see how they go. And then finally, Sydney Kings. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how they go based on Will Weaver moving on and Adam Ford, who's a great coach, no doubt about it. But um, probably good it happened this Time or this early in the season and not um, close to the start of the season in many ways, but I don't know how they're overcome going to overcome the loss of Will Weaver. Uh, they've lost Boga, Andrew Boga to retirement, and Kevin Lish. They're huge uh, shoes. Yeah. Still got a you know some key players from last year, but it's going to be hard to um, back up what they did last season. It's uh, you know they finished twenty eight and finished first on the ladder, of course, and went to the grand final. And unfortunately, you know due to COVID, couldn't finish the grand final and. But, you know, as you said, a, a lot of them have returned, which is important for the continuity. I think That's right. yeah, you and I both know, you know, a lot of the criticism around the Kings over the years has been the turnover. Mm. You know, personnel has just been hard to keep that continuity in the program. And I think they've, they've done it for the most for the most part here. Um, obviously, the losses, you know, wow, you mentioned it. It's losing your head coach, um, who was a coach of the year candidate last season, this close to the season. Yep. Not ideal. Uh, gives Adam Ford an opportunity. Adam Ford, great guy. Uh, a guy that's an exceptional hard worker, you know, and, and really with a great basketball mind. And, and you know, being a part of that program, I, I just think it was a no-brainer to elevate him. I think it was too late, really, to go looking for anybody else. So I think mm. the, the, the good thing is they'll probably run a lot of the same stuff that Will Weaver was running last year. So, you know, that talk you know, that sort of leads into that continuity aspect. Yeah. Um, Diddy Lazada, that should be exciting. His second year, yes. um, they're going to count a lot on him because effectively he becomes a third import for them as that next star. Um, you know, a- again, Jarrell Martin. I don't look. They, it's a good pickup. Obviously, has that connection with Chris Pongrass from when he was you know playing for Memphis. Played two hundred. He's played two hundred games in the NBA, so yeah. he's got some experience. But he's been out of the NBA for eighteen months. He's been in the G League and in China, um, and you know, the question mark I have on him is, is he going to be a good enough rebounder? Because that's that's going to be the big thing for me, rebounding and protection. Um, and I think a lot of pressure is going to be on Xavier Cooks to, to do that because Martin is not that guy. You know, he's offensively, he can do a lot of things, stretch the floor, you know, pound it in down low to him and he'll make things happen. Question marks over Casper Ware, we have to be honest, he was um, not good, you know, in, in the, particularly in the second half of last season. Comes back with a point to prove. Apparently really fit, which is exciting. So he's obviously very serious about coming back and making an impact because we know what a superstar he is. Yeah, uh, right. A lot's going to be on his shoulders. Greg Gilly, another year older. Dan Kickett, another year older. It's 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 going to be interesting. And, and obviously they bring in Dan Vasilievic from um, Miami, University of Miami. Tremendous shooter and Angus Glover. Um, yeah, and, and they've still got Craig Moller and, and um, Sean Bruce and Daniel Kickett as the bench. So... Look, it, yeah, it, it's they really had some question marks over them, you know, as much as I hate to say it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that, again, we're only talking about on paper. 
Mm. I, I think they could definitely make the playoffs um, a lot, but I do think a lot has to go right for them. Mm. But um, the, the, the keys are going to be, you know, Casper Ware leading that team, um, you know, Jarrell Martin making a really big impact and, and obviously what they can get out of, um, you know, Didi Lozada. I mean, I think Didi Lozada has a potential to be an all-NBL selection this year. Yeah. He, but he needs to really step up. You know, I mean, he's he shown he's capable of it. Mm. And we saw that in the playoffs and we saw that during the regular season at times and they're going to need a lot out of him. So, and Adam Ford as a rookie head coach is a big unknown. As, as great as I think he'll be in the job, he's still an unknown. So there's so many teams that have improved. The, the Kings have taken some hits, let's, let's be honest. Mm. And losing the greatest big man Australia's ever seen or produced in Andrew Bogut is, um, it, it, that's a massive ask for them. Um, so a lot's going to rest on, on their bigs, even guys like Jordan Hunter, who was the Waratah League MVP. He's going to have to step up big time, I think. Uh, and, and Daniel Kickett's going to have to provide um, that leadership as well up front. Yeah. Uh, some great insights, mate. Um, appreciate, appreciate it all. And who's your tip for the, the NBL 21 Championship? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, look, uh, at the moment, and again, this this will change, I'm sure. Uh, but... The favourites are Melbourne, clearly. Yep. Um, and, and I think most people... Look, you know, obviously, full disclosure, I, I, I do a lot of stuff for the Kings still, and I'd love to be able to say that, that, that Sydney will be up there. You know, I really would. Um, it, it, that's going to be really a story to watch with them. Yep. But I think for right now, we're only talking about right now. So this is a pre-season, so these are just prognostications. Yes. You probably have to say Melbourne are the favourites with New Zealand just a hair behind. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it, it's it's really a whole bunch of teams are in the mix, you know. And, and the only look, I mean, Brisbane people hate me saying this, but the only team I don't have that much confidence in at the moment is Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody else has got potential to at least make the playoffs. And as we know, if you make the playoffs, anything can happen from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a lot to happen and, and to unfold in the coming weeks. But I uh, really appreciate your time today, mate. We look forward to the pleasure, mate. Tipping off and. Thanks for sharing your story and your insights and uh, thanks for joining us on the More Than A Game podcast. Thanks, Matt. That's been great. Thanks, Dan.